What's up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast with me, the host, Jeff Clark. We are breaking down, we, me and Dan Z, are breaking down NFL, the NFL wildcard weekend. And it's going to be a fun podcast. Um, I complain week in, week out about how it's tough coming up with five bets, five sides. I have like 18 bets in my NFL wildcard bet slip. I'm going Which is nuts. unnecessary, by the way. Is it or is it or is it very necessary? I thought it was funny. I was like all proud. I was like, dude, Jeff, I have eight bets this week. Can you believe it? And this mother effer was like, I got 18. I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Guess I'll just go F myself then. Yeah, and I didn't even really look at Cowboys Buccaneers as much as I would like to. I, I didn't only... get there either. I have eight bets in the first five games. I have not, I didn't even I don't even know what to do with that game. Probably because I'll think about it Monday and write something Monday. I can almost guarantee I'm going to end up on the Buccaneers in one way or the other, whether it's... Yeah, I think so too, right? Yeah. Combining them with a teaser or or putting them in a teaser. Or, I'm, I'm going to end up betting Tampa Bay, and we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but I'm excited about this podcast. I don't think I told you this uh, recently, but I usually do pretty well in Week 17, Week 18. Um, I was three and two last week, so a little you bit of a. Think you told me that? You've told me that like twenty five times. No, the next part is what I didn't tell you. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> the NFL Wild Card Weekend over the last six years has been my best football betting weekend of the year. Um, I usually do really well in week sixteen or seventeen, and kill it in week eighteen. I was three and two this past um, week eighteen, but I always. But I'm, glad I'm not against you on any of these picks I, spoiler alert i know jeff bets going in and he knows mine that's it's what we call um uh what do you uh prep yeah uh, we, we do what's called prep by just being like hey here's what i'm doing here's what i'm doing all right cool um but that being said dude sorry <laughs> it's all good it's all good i just i just derail shit that's what i do it's what i do on our editorial calls it's what i do here i just my brain just moves so fast that I just I'm like I can't keep focused. I probably have ADD, but you know one of those things. Dude, I tried to interject with a little bit of personality in the editorial call today, and no one was having it. <laughs> what did you say? I just uh, one uh, the the main guy was talking about how the Miami Heat are looking to rename their arena from the FTX arena. And I just said how a famous porn website has been trying to name the Miami arena for years now. And it's Bang Bros. Bang Bros has been trying to... That's a tr- that's true, though. Like, that wasn't a joke. Was someone supposed to laugh? Well, I, I don't know. I thought the randomness of it might get, like, a chuckle or... Literally, no one said anything. No one... Yeah. Actually, is that, uh, one of the homies, or one of the excuse me, um, fellow writers at Outkick talked about how he wrote about that story. But, um, so I hear you, dude. I, I'm, I'm all about just hey, derailing those things. things. I, I'm a volume shooter on those calls. Like I got stuff that hits. I have had plenty of those where I just say something and then Gary's like, okay, moving on. Yeah, I do. I, I generally don't want to say anything in those calls because I feel like whenever I speak up, then there's a better chance I'm assigned work that I don't really want to do. <laughs> <laughs> like that has t- happened to me i have learned that lesson of like saying something like you want to write that damn like oh shit um, no <laughs> yeah like i mean it'd be great if someone else did i made a comment once about how pete davidson was killing it and 
it was in reference to a story about Pete Davidson getting Joe Pesci to be like the grandfather of uh, his grandfather in a, in a show that he's doing for Peacock. And then when I spoke up, one of the editors was like, hey, how about you write that story? And like, what am I going to say? <laughs> like, no. And there was no football season at the time. So I really had nothing to like hide behind. It was like, yeah, I would love to do that. It actually was kind of fun. But um, I'm going to just warn you guys in advance. Oh, anyways, the NFL wildcard weekend is my best weekend of the year. However, I give it all back next week. So fade me next week. It's it's like a five-year trend where I go nuts in the wildcard weekend and just brick the divisional round. Why don't you just take the divisional round off? Oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure the bosses will be chill with that. I won't write anything that week. <laughs> I'll step in. I'll handle it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm excited to break down these games. Um, this is the second year, right, of a 14-team NFL playoff format. So there's six wild card games, um, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday. Um, it's, it's my favorite week of the year. Most people will say the division week is theirs, but whatever. Let's get going on these handy. Actually, let's talk about week 18 first. How did you end the season? Uh, yeah, we bounced back. I uh, had a really rough 16 and 17. What did I, I went like one and seven across week 16 and 17, but we bounced back with a three and one, uh, week 18. We, uh, had that Saturday teaser that we actually did need. Uh, we had the chief Raiders under, I followed your lead there. I teased it up. Didn't need to, you hit as well. Um, but we also hit Jaguars pick them, which would not have hit. Uh, Jaguars minus the points so the pick uh, teasing that down to pick them helped us we missed on the Texans Colts under for some reason those teams defenses decided the season was over and they just put up a shit ton of points so that one was dead early Um, but we also hit betting against Nathan Peterman first rule in betting you bet against him that worked out Vikings easily covered the seven over the Bears and then I made a a really genius switch. I had initially planned on betting the Bucks plus four and decided to flip that to Bucks plus two and a half in the first half only, which worked out perfectly because they won the first half and then got blown out in the second half. So um, glad I switched that. Uh, the analysis worked out to be correct, which was that the Bucks rested their starters in the second half and they pretty much gave up, but uh, they pretty much dominated the first half. So three and one and, uh, like I said, I got eight picks coming up for wild card weekend. A lot of lot of props this week. A lot of props. I was just looking at my bed sheet. Did you say your end of the regular season winning percentage? I did not. So I ended the season uh, uh, at sixty two percent, forty one and twenty five um, for the year. What an animal! Impressive, dude. Impressive. You got to get into the circuit contest next year. Uh, that's the plan. I gotta, we gotta plan that uh, guys trip to Vegas. I'm down. You and I, let's do a weekend in Vegas. Let's sign up for the, sign up for the circuit contest, and uh, let's rip it up for a couple of days. I have a yearly. Maybe we can get, we can get outkick to pay for it. I mean, it's for the, it's for the company. We can get out, outkick to, to pay for our circuit entries. I mean, it's, it's content. Oh baby, you <laughs> got them to the pay for a gets... PFF subscription. Now you're doing a heat check, <laughs> which is eighty dollars for the year. And I was nervous about it too. Yeah, the with the proxy, the circa buy-ins thirteen hundred per person. So. so I will give uh, our boss Gary Schreier credit. 
I initially because PFF used to be like three hundred bucks a year for like at, for like their full package. I think that's and what I, I pay. Pitched, <laughs> it ain't that anymore. So I pitched that to Gary. He's like, yeah, it's like three hundred twenty bucks, and he said that's fine. We can do that. And then I was actually able to go back to him and be like, uh, they actually lowered it. It's only eighty bucks. And funny thing. Well, now you can use the Outkick one because we, we did it for Outkick. Hopefully, I'm allowed to say that out loud. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah. if you if you sign up for PFF and then like you get a seven-day free trial and then you email them to cancel, they offer you 50% off. So you could actually get it for $40 for the year. Yeah. I should probably edit all this out, but we're going to say a lot of crazy shit this podcast probably. So, <laughs> But you definitely cannot like, – I think there's different packages, one for a company or a media company and one for a person. I'm assuming you got the one for a person. They don't have any of that anymore. Like they, PFF can, that's what happened. So I was looking into it. Like, how do we get this account? And, uh, they consolidated everything into just one $80 a year, which is a steal by the way. Like we're giving PFF some, some free pub here, but like 80 bucks a year for everything they provide. I think it is a steal, and I'm excited to have it. And I've already started uh, incorporating it. You're going to hear me talk about it a little bit uh, when we get to this handicapping, but I've already used it for quite a few things. PFF is awesome. I've been using it for three years. It's a little confusing initially to kind of – there's just a lot of options, a lot going on, but once you kind of figure it out and – um, you know, you learn how to use it. I, I, I mean, I name drop them all the time in my articles because I'm always using their stuff. So they do a great Look, job. I mean, over they there. they watch the tape and listen. I watch a ton of football. You're not gonna find many civilians who watch as much football as I do and snaps and rewatching games. But like, I don't have time to go watch the left tackle play an entire football game and mark down everything he does. I need someone to do that for me. Yeah, and I'm I'm like literally not smart enough to like watch and pull anything from there. I mean, if the left tackle never commits a holding or a false start and doesn't get a sack, like that's pretty obvious, right? But there are techniques and stuff like that I that are well over my head. So I just defer to the experts and they do a really good job. So, but this isn't a PFF commercial. Uh, my, <laughs> it's not, I want to be clear. They do not sponsor us. And I actually don't think they would care that we have an outkick subscription because that just means we're going to put their stuff into our articles, which gives them free pubs. So it works out for everybody. Yeah. Symbiotic relationship is what they call that. Win, win. If anything, we're giving them publicity and money. So they're winning twice. Exactly. Great. I went three and two in the circuit contest last year. I finished 600. I know and- what happened. You talked so much about being a week 18 expert three and two. I feel like is not. Up to your standards. It wasn't at, at all. I'm very disappointed. I uh, gained five spots in the circuit. I went from 673 to 668, which is where I finished the season. Out of 4,683 entries. So top what? twenty? Top 20%? Top even higher? Top 15%? Mm, uh, 668 out of 4,683. I don't know. You have to text me those. I don't think I can do it. I'm not going to do math on the air. Um, I finished 10 games above 500, 38, 48, 38, and 4. So half. Um, ties. Oh, it's like top 10%, bro. Yeah. Ta- uh, That's ta- pretty damn good. Well, duh, it's top 10%. You were inside the top 600 out of 6,000 entries. Or were, were you. Did I miss that up? I was 668th out of 4,683. Oh, okay. I scraped the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, either way, it's a very, uh, I'm pretty happy. 
Um, it was around top fifteen percent, which is you know that's a that's a sharp contest. That's not a that's not like your your weekend gamblers or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's pretty good, dude. Congrats, top fifteen percent in that contest. Every every like top guy I follow, you know, in the sports betting world does that contest. So that's a you're swimming in a pool with sharks, and uh, you got to your fair share of the chump. Yeah, I did all right. Um, I'm not as excited about pay? the overall. What do they pay? I think it's one point like, five is the first prize, and it pays down a hundred places. I think, or maybe fifty. One point five million to win that contest. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The survivor they had a six point three million dollar guarantee, and dude had um, oh, dude had the Colts. Yeah. That does like. Can you imagine if you had basically at that point like you're like all right, well I've got. Two million. They were going to split it, right? Because the season's over. So you're going to get your share of six million, and it was going to be a three-way split. And then the fucking Texans throw that hail mary that should have been intercepted, gets caught. They go for two and get it, and you just watch your two million dollars. Like the worst. Oh, the worst story was there was a guy that could have clinched because the way the circa runs the survivor right. is twenty weeks. Um, Thanksgiving. Day is its own week, and Christmas Day is its own week. So they each have three games. Some guy had a chance to clinch if the Raiders beat the Steelers. Um, But he wasn't able to, A, hedge or do anything with it because it was Christmas Eve night, and like he couldn't get his hands on the money or really go anywhere to to hedge. He ended up... Um, obviously the Steelers beat the Raiders and then the other people advance and he ended up getting eliminated the next week. So he didn't even get a, a, a slice of the 6.3. I think two people split it, but not even that it was like, it was a, it was a, um, it was a heartbreaker. Cause I was on the Raiders. Like, like they lost on a last second touchdown pass. Like it wasn't even like, oh, he could have won with the Raiders, but like, you know, they didn't, they weren't going to win the game, but like they had that game one. Yeah. So everyone missed that week. Um, Must have been right. The only way he would have survived with a with a loser would be if everyone else also missed. No, he needed the other two. The other like f- I think the other five people in the contest had oh they the Steelers. all had the Steelers right. Oh, they used the Steelers, right. so okay. the, the Raiders ended up losing. They advanced, gotcha, but gotcha. yeah, 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 that makes more sense. You were Sorry. on the Raiders that day, right? I think that was the Raiders were kind of the right side there. If I remember correctly, I mean, Carr played terrible, but it still came down to Kenny Pickett leading a game-winning drive right. and throwing a game-winning touchdown in the final. Like it was inside of a minute, I believe. Right. Um, Which he did to me twice this year. Both times he led the game-winning drives. Your boy Kenny Pickett led two heartbreaking drives for your boy Dan Z. I had him against. I had the Ravens as well when he uh, threw that pass to Najee, and I. <laughs> Also went against him in the in the Raiders game, I know but you're... I did warn people in that Raiders game. Like, it is risky to bet on the Raiders because they blow second half leads, and didn't they blow a second half lead? It's true, but at that point in the season, you should know that if the Raiders have a second half lead, you should be live in gaming the other side you're right. probably. You're right. Um, yeah, all right, so yeah, I finished the forty-eight, thirty-eight, and four record ties over the half point, so I had fifty points, probably my best showing. And one of these. What was the winner? What was the total points that won it? I think it was sixty and a half. So okay. you got to run like you got to be really good and pretty much run hot. What was for the total a year. number of picks? 
Uh, 90. So the person that won cashed at like, it was hitting like 66% about yep. that. Which is insane, right? Yeah. I mean, I was pretty proud of hitting 62% and that wouldn't have gotten me much. Might have. I think that would have put you in the money. Um, oh, I'm in next year, bro. I'm fucking in. I, I should be more. You think excited. your proxy would give us a deal if, like, we did? He had two of us. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I'm not as like excited about my performance initially, just because like I was I never really had a chance to make the money, right? It wasn't right. But I guess you could say like you know it's the old like cliche. What's better is it like better to have loved and lost or never loved at all type thing? So. Whatever. I, I think it's better to probably not have thought you were going to win anything rather than being like sweating it out, like just missing at the end. Yeah, but getting close and fucking up also helps you for the future, right? You kind of learn some game theory and like, you know, tune your process maybe moving forward. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, how much game theory goes into that? It's like you got to pick winners. So every week you're trying to pick winners. I'm just saying, like... It's not like a survivor contest where you have to consider what your opponents are going to do. Like, it doesn't matter what your opponents do in that contest. It's it's literally, you got to pick winners, period. Yeah, I guess I just think of, like, just sports in general. Like, usually teams that win the titles are teams that have, like, dealt with playoff heartbreak, right? Okay, so you think you got to get there first and lose before you can finally crest the hill. I mean, there's an argument to be made that, that it... that getting that high up there or being like a contender at least kind of strengthens you a little bit. I don't know. I'm kind of talking out of my ass here, but I uh, hit with the the Titans plus six whiffed with the Browns and saints, um, bronze plus two and a half saints minus three and a half hit with the Rams plus six and hit with the lions plus four and a half, um, which was an awesome game. Um, and really, it's just like that Lions-Packers game. This is a tangent, non-betting convo. But like that Lions-Packers game really kind of proves why the NFL is just the best sport in the entire world. Every other sport, they fucking mail it in. And not only did the Lions not mail it in, their running back started crying at the end of the game. That's how much a meaningless game mattered to, to, to him, to the team, to the organization. Like what... What a, a regular season finale for the NFL. Like, that was so awesome, right? Like It, it was, and it's too bad, too, because Seattle should not have won. They shouldn't have beaten the Rams. Like, it, it yeah. I thought the Rams were going to win that game, um, and it would have been better, obviously. And the interesting thing, too, is, like, you go, like, well, tank for a better draft pick, but the nice thing about Detroit is they have a top-five pick because they traded – I have to. Look. I can't. They traded uh, Stafford for golf and got a, a the right. first round pick the, with it, it attached the, to it. Right, it was the Rams pick, so the, that's a top five pick. So like, yeah, they're gonna pick a few spots later in, you know, like it, I think they're picking eighteen now. They got the the last possible spot, I believe, of the non playoff teams. But it's like, you already got a top five pick, so it's like, not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of of you know. I'm guessing most Lions fans, because a lot of fans, if you look on Twitter, don't like, I saw a lot of Jets fans, you know, I was like, we can knock the Dolphins out of the playoffs, and a lot of them were like, screw that, like, I care way more about moving up a couple spots than knocking the Dolphins out of the playoffs, right? So yeah. there's there's kind of that debate of like, but I think for the Lions, it was all about, let's win this game, let's knock Rodgers out, let's knock the Packers out, 
and the draft pick doesn't matter that much. We're going to pick in the top five anyway. So uh, everything kind of lined up. It just it really sucks that Seattle won a game they really didn't have any business winning and not because Detroit and Detroit would be just so much more fun to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. But what's also fair is how they were eliminated, right? Like they didn't lose on some goofy tiebreaker. They lost because the Seattle Seahawks beat them forty-eight to forty-five earlier this year. And if you and they even had their chance at the end of the year. That Panthers loss, yeah, you know that right. it sucks. Like I don't know. I'm, let's talk about the Seahawks 49ers right now, which it's um the Seahawks are massive underdogs. It's currently you nine. You can't even and a half. call them massive underdogs because of the other lines this week. Oh, that's true. Um, well, the well, the second biggest dog of the of the week, right? Uh, for now, I think I don't know. I, I it would be interesting if if and when Lamar officially gets ruled out, and if Huntley gets ruled out, if that Bengals line moves. Actually, I stand corrected. The Bengals Ravens line is the same as the Seahawks Forty ers which is the Forty ers favored nine and a half, juiced up to minus one fifteen. Um, Seahawks plus four hundred on the money line. I think I'm going to end up sprinkling on the Seahawks money line, but I'm definitely going to take the points of the Seahawks here. I have a few trends, but um, one that I found on on Twitter, I guess teams entering the playoffs on a 10-game winning streak are 2-13 and 13 against the spread since 2001. I thought that was really interesting. That's a wild stat. Yeah. Say that again. Teams entering the playoffs with a 10-game or better winning streak are – since 2001 are seven and eight straight up and two and three against the spread. Wow. That's yeah. a great stat. Yeah. It's, That's it's it pretty you for gnarly, that right? Um, also, well, good for the Bengals. I believe the Bengals are on a nine game win streak. So yeah, they just, maybe they, they purposefully lost that, that game. Like, Hey man, we cannot go into the playoffs with a 10 game winning streak. Nine would be perfect. Um, also divisional foes before last year, because the Bills beat the shit out of the Patriots and the Rams just slapped around the Cardinals. But before last year... Um, Sorry, the Bengals win streak is eight. My apologies. I just want to correct that real quick. Good call. Favorites were versus divisional foes in the wild card weekend were 0-8 against the spread from 2014 to 2021. Um, or I guess 2020 playoffs. Uh, those favorites have a minus 9.8 ATS margin. Um, in that, in those, in those games. So, I mean, I know it's kind of cheesy and cliche that, you know, Seattle's facing San Francisco for a third time, but they're at least facing a rookie quarterback for a second time. And there is some serious rainstorms happening in the Bay area there. they have a flood advisory for from Thursday to Saturday. So I think that the playbook is going to be cut in half. And I think, especially given the way Shanahan coaches, um, which is a little conservatively in the playoffs, I think it's going to really affect San Francisco's offense. Um, they are Owen they're excuse me. They're one and five to the under in, in the playoffs in the Shanahan era, which started in 2017. They're winning on an average of 22.8 points per game versus 18. So the 49ers uh, usually play like, low scoring slug matches in the playoffs. Um, and you know, like Pete Carroll, I think is going to have his defense schemed up and ready to, to go against a defense uh, against a, a rookie quarterback. They're going to get back 
PFF's highest graded safety, most likely Ryan Neal's going to come back, and all of the money is hammering the the 49ers right now. They're probably being included on teasers. 75% of the, the, the money is on the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm going to fade the public here, and I'm taking the Seahawks plus the points and probably going to sprinkle on the money line. But what, what, what notes or what thoughts do you have on this game? Um, so I have preferred to stay away from the, the big numbers here as far as um, I'm not on the spread or the total, but I do have a couple looks in this one. Um, I'm going to return to a well that has been very good to me, and you mentioned it last time about how I'd gone away from it. Did you hit you? You played that, did you not? The Seahawks um, versus tight ends? No, I actually spaced out on it. I think it would have hit, though, am I, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, I'm going back to the well here. Uh, Seahawks are terrible versus tight ends. Uh, tight ends against the Seahawks are averaging six and a half targets, almost five catches, and 69 yards per game this season. Tight ends have uh, had over 1,100 yards receiving against the Seahawks. Only the Titans have allowed more. No team allowed more fantasy points to the position. And you're getting George Kittle over 43 and a half yards. I, I think that's a an insanely low number for a team that allows almost 70 yards a game to tight ends. And that's not even like we're talking about one of the top tight ends in the league. This isn't just some random uh, Tyler uh, Conklin who also hit his over by a lot. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the number. Um, I guess Kittle's he's kind of struggled the last two weeks. He's only had 52 yards combined over the last two weeks, but he did have 14 targets over those two games. So it's not like he's not getting the looks in the five games started by Brock Purdy. Kittle has at least five targets in each one of them. Uh, that includes a week 15 matchup against the Seahawks in which Kittle went four ninety three for two touchdowns. Um, Kittle was injured. He didn't play in the first meeting, but even Ross Dwelly, the backup tight end had 38 yards against the Seahawks and Dwelly is not Kittle in Kittle's last eight games versus Seattle uh, spanning five seasons. He averages eight targets, five catches and uh, 78 yards. So only twice in his eight games against Seattle, has he been held under 43 and a half, which is the number here. So for me, again, we get to hit something I've hit on several times this year. And I, I, I am, I was pleasantly surprised by the 43 and a half number. I thought that was pretty low. So happy to take it. Yeah. I don't know if this is, I, I think it's either a running game or a tight end is a quarterback's best friend, or is it both? Is it's it, probably both. The running back, a running game is a quarterback's best friend and a tight end is a quarterback safety blanket. See, yeah. Either way, there's going to be 20 mile per hour winds, wind gusts of over 30 miles per hour. And I think, he's going to be either checking down or trying to get the ball. He's not going to be Purdy's not going to be throwing the ball deep to Ayuk or, or Debo Samuel. So I think there's a better chance Kittle gets even more targets than he usually does, which you said, what, five per game for, for while playing for Purdy. Yes. Five per game with Purdy. Um, but he's had, he's also had 14 targets over the last two games. So seven per game in the, in the last two, despite, having a low yardage total but you know that that seems more variable than anything have you picked up on like brock purdy th throwing a lot of like questionable balls questionable balls and probably should have been picked off more times than he has because i've heard a bunch of people say stuff like that but i haven't you noticed. know I, I haven't um i haven't watched a ton of tape on purdy if i'm being totally honest uh what i have seen is what you like 
this idea that Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft, is like miles ahead of like. Let me put it this way: so the Dolphins are going to start Skylar Thompson, and he sucks. But it's partially because he's playing for the Dolphins and not the 49ers. Like, I don't necessarily think if you plugged Skylar Thompson into the 49ers, he wouldn't be having the same type of success as Purdy. That's kind of the point. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter made the point that, like, the 49ers made the Super Bowl by winning an NFC championship game where Jimmy Garoppolo threw six passes. They won a game where they're starting – they won an NFC championship game where they're starting quarterback through six passes. Whatever the hell Shanahan does, he has somehow broken the code of not needing an elite quarterback. And in this case, using a third stringer who was nearly undrafted. So I, it's not surprising. I mean, I expect Purdy to make mistakes. There's a reason every other team passed on him seven times. Yeah, I mean, he had a season-high um, bad throw percentage against the Seahawks. He had a minus 6.6 completion percentage over expectation. Um and I think if Seattle can do a better job against the run game, San Francisco's run game, they can they can stay in this. I mean, it's obviously easier said than done, but yeah, I just don't think they'll be able to because of Mitchell and McCaffrey. Like that is a two headed monster, like no one else sure. has. For sure, I was surprised that PFF has them as the second best yards. Uh, Seattle's defensive line is the second best yards before contact allowed out of like the twelve. So the fewest, wild card right? game, like yeah, they yeah, hit yeah. The, they hit the back before. I say other second hit the back. I say second best because I feel like that makes more sense than fewest, right? It, well, I mean, it, it it would be few. That fewest is is correct, right? It's correct. It's correct. But I think when people, I was just no, no, I was just making sure I sure. heard you. Correctly. Okay. Um, and I think given the weather situation and Brock Purdy being a rookie quarterback and uh, frankly Shanahan's conservative play calling in the playoffs over I don't know how many years now. Like if you've paid attention to it, like the guy kicks on the opponent's side of the field quite often and doesn't go for it when people think that he should. And his record's very successful. Right. And, and, and Shanahan does a great job, but like, that's not, you don't want to bet that uh, a team being coached, by that kind of in that kind of way that's laying nine and a half, right? Right, because the 49ers don't give a rip about the spread. Like they they sure. want they need to win this game. And I'm with you. And part of the reason though, and this is always what I have to remind people when it comes to like analytics. Part of the reason Brandon Staley like went for so many fourth downs is because A, the division they play. Like if you're playing the Chiefs, it makes a lot less sense to punt. Because whether they're on their own 10 or the 40, if you don't get it or the whatever. Like, their chances of scoring are still pretty good. So you're not gaining a lot in that, like, 30 yards. But if you're San Francisco and you've got the number one defense in the league, like, that plays into the analytics part of it. Like, this team is going to give us this ball back. So that's part of it. You know what I mean? Like, those yards are harder to get against a tougher defense. And, you know, the Chargers defense, for example, last year wasn't great. So it was like, why are we necessarily going to take Justin Herbert off the field when our defense is just going to give those yards up anyway. It's like the, the value in those yards isn't as high when your defense isn't as good as it is to San Francisco, who trusts that they're going to get the ball right back in a similar position, except it'll be first down instead of fourth down. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I also get the vibe that because Georgia just killed TCU, 
that like people are like thinking this is a bit analogous. I guess to your earlier point, San Francisco beat the shit out of Minnesota in the divisional round a couple of years ago. So we have seen like not apples to apples, but a pretty similar outcome in recent history with San Francisco 49ers. I just think because of the division familiarity and, you know, I've said a million times on this podcast how much of a Pete Carroll stand I am. I think he's going to do enough to keep this game close, especially considering Shane Ant's conservative play call. Um, I do have a prop in this game. I'm going to go under Brock Purdy, 223.5 uh, passing yards because of all the um, aforementioned reasons, specifically the weather and Shanahan's play calling. He's averaging 218 yards per game and is six games played. Um, and Seattle has actually held um, four of their last or three of their last five opponents to under tw- um, 223 and a half yards. Um, Patrick Mahomes actually had 224 yards, but Granted, the quarterbacks weren't that good. They held Baker Mayfield last week to 147. Mike White did go throw for 240. Um, Darnold in week 14 threw for 120. And Purdy put up 217 um, in a pretty convincing win against Seattle in week 15. So I'm going to go under Brock Purdy's passing props, which is 223.5 at our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you have anything else on this game, or do you want to move to the next one? I got one more. Um, I'm taking Geno Smith over 15 and a half rushing yards. Um, Smith has eclipsed 15 yards rushing in each of his past five games and nine of the past 10. And one of those was against the 49ers. And now it's playoff time. And that means you do whatever it takes to win. Uh, Smith is going to have to play out of his mind to beat one of the best defenses in the NFL. When push comes to shove, he's going to need to take off, gain some yards with his legs. He's not afraid to do it. The 49ers have actually allowed several like non-traditional mobile QBs to run for more than 15 yards. Andy Dalton ran for 21 yards against them, which is actually kind of wild. Uh, Justin Herbert ran for 21 yards. Jarrett Stidham had 34 yards. Russell Wilson ran for 17 yards. Um the point is that San Francisco is vulnerable to allowing QBs to get outside the pocket and scramble, which also happens when you have a stellar defensive line that gets to quarterbacks quickly. Like those guys got to break contain. Uh, Gino can do that. And the other thing too is Gino's not afraid to run. He averages four rushing uh, attempts per game over the past 14 games, and he averages six yards per carry when he does run. So I think that's more than enough for him to hit uh, 15 and a half yards. We only need two really solid scrambles to hit that maybe three. And I think he's going to have to do that. I think he's going to be running around quite a bit trying to avoid this pass rush. So I like, Geno Smith over 15 and a half yards. Right on dude. Well, we both can win in that game. Let's hope that's how it goes. I thought it was funny. You said you had 18 bets and I had eight and I think we only are on the same number in one of them and we're opposite. So, and we're going to get to that. It's going to be fun because we're definitely putting a side bet on that, on that bad boy. And we might have to double our usual bet and just make this for all the marbles. I love that idea. I love it. <laughs> uh, next game, the Saturday night primetime game. The John Michaels, the Michaels game. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. He's back. It's so funny. He is calling the Los Angeles Chargers um, visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars, who obviously made it in on the final game of the season by beating the Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars are getting two and a half points at home over under is 47 and a half. Uh, I'm on the Jaguars here. Mostly 
or predominantly because of the coaching matchup in their favor. Now, I know you're a Brandon Staley guy. Are you at least a willing willing to concede that Doug Peterson is a better coach to bet on in this in this scenario? Yes. Are you? I don't know your Doug Peterson thoughts. I'm actually like kind of a. I like Doug Peterson. Me like too. A lot, a lot. I'm a fan. I mean, anyone who can win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz is automatically, in my book, somebody who should be valued much more highly than he than he is. To be honest, the fact that Jacksonville was able to get a guy like him because you look at you know the big name right now is Sean Payton, and I laughed when I saw like Houston Texans request permission to interview Sean Payton. I'm like, Sean Payton is not going to Houston. Like, there's no fucking way Sean Payton is going to go coach Houston. He would never want to. So the fact that the Jaguars, like a mess of an organization, coming off the disastrous Urban Meyer hire, were able to get Doug Peterson, who for some reason just does not seem to have much credibility or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't get it, man. I really don't. He And he's already proven it. Like, he won the Super Bowl. And he just took this Jaguars team, which was an absolute disaster and a mess last year, to the fucking playoffs. Like, even if they lose this game, I feel like this was a very successful season and continues to show that Doug Peterson can flat out coach. Absolutely. I agree with you. And it's, I do think they're going to lose, by the way. Fair enough. It's weird, though, that I'm with you. It's weird that Doug Peterson doesn't get more love. Like, Yeah, I don't get it. It wasn't that like they got a little lucky to beat the Patriots. Like Nick Foles had one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. Like <laughs> I don't know what that guy was doing, Doug Peterson, but he coached a hell of a game, right? And he lost his starting like, you know, it's one thing like the 49ers. Like let's just say they go on to win the Super Bowl. That'd be that listen, that would be an excellent coaching job out of Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. But it's one thing to lose your starting quarterback when they did, which is Brock Purdy's had five and a half games to kind of get used like Carson Wentz got hurt I believe in week 16 like Nick Foles had like that was his second start of if I'm remembering correctly was the playoffs so like it's not like Peterson had a ton of time to rethink what he was doing or or work to Nick Foles strength like to me that also indicates an unbelievable coaching job to be able to flip in a new quarterback that late in the season unbelievable unbelievable yeah and and what has Nick Foles done anywhere else? Sure. Um, what has Carson Wentz done anywhere else? Like, that dude was an MVP under Doug Peterson. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, like, Doug Peterson obviously is the reason, like, those guys have had as much success as, they, as they've had. And Kyle Shanahan gets the credit I guess he deserves or he's earned yeah, he the does. credit he gets. And he's probably he going to win Coach of the Year this year, right? But, like... To your to your point, it's like well, Peterson killed it, and he didn't win Coach of the Year. I don't think the year that the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, if you go back and think about that, like what coach could have even done a better job than him? Maybe there's some crazy, I don't know. Maybe I'm just spacing out on on what happened. No, that year. I, I, yeah, I'm trying to again. It's it's tough to remember exactly. Like for a team you don't follow that closely, I'm. I'm basically talking as best I can remember, but I don't, I don't think he won coach of the year. Why do you think the Chargers? And I believe win they were the game? one seed, correct? Yeah. Yeah. They hosted the whole way through. Yeah. So like that seems relatively insane as well. And they won games in different ways. Like they, they beat the Falcons in just like a shitty game. That was, I think mostly had to do with the weather. They kind of put it on the Vikings. You remember the Case Keenum Vikings? 
Um, and then they had a, just an epic shootout with the Patriots. But why do you think the Chargers are going to beat beat the Jaguars here? Because I wrote in my column oh. today, wrong team favorite. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand how the Chargers are the favorite here. I'm once again going to have to correct myself. Uh, Carson Wentz tore his ACL in Week 14, so Foles had three games. So, all right, I'll take a little bit back. It's actually kind of similar, I guess, to the Brock Purdy situation. So we'll see if Shanahan can do the same thing. Although he lost two quarterbacks, which would make it even a little bit crazier. Um. Yeah, no, he, uh, wild. They, the Eagles just like let him go. I, whatever. Anyway, um, I think the Chargers are a better team. I think that's really all that this comes down to. The line's been moving towards them. I think the Jags have been a fake sharp all year. I think they're fake sharp here. I don't know what the uh, numbers are, but I'm going to guess that the Jaguars are getting the money. Um, no, they're well, not. Right now, 65% of the money and 60% of the bets at DraftKings are on the Chargers. Interesting. It's pros versus Joes on pregame.com, which supposedly takes a consensus market. More money on the Jaguars. What do they have? Okay, so fake sharp. There we go. All right. All is right with my world. (laughs) Um, I think they're better, man. I I just do. Like, I think they're a better team. I think the Chargers. Not running what? the ball, not stopping the run. He, I mean, Justin Herbert's good, but the coaching yes. the coach sucks. He consistently he makes suck. brain-headed decisions, no, no, like no, 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 keeping no. his starters I, I think, in too long. Yes, that was stupid. I wrote an article about it. Listen, I'll call out my guy when I have to call out my guy. But no one like people underestimate Brandon Staley's ability to create a defensive game plan, and they just look at the raw numbers. But I think he is going to have a plan for Trevor Lawrence, especially in his first playoff game. And I think he'll, I think Lawrence is going to be a little bit. I mean, look, I've, I've said it before. I like that Lawrence has more big game experience than Herbert. Herbert's never really played in a big game. Um, the Utah Pac-12 championship a few years ago, I guess would be arguably the biggest game he's ever played in. And I'm not going to count that as a big game, not compared to what Lawrence has faced in his career. Um, but Lawrence was bad last week. Like you, you can't really get around it. Like he made a couple of those throws that make you go like, that's why he was the number one pick and he can do that. But he made some really boneheaded plays. Um, and I, I worry about that. And I worry about that going against Staley, whose defense actually improved in the second half of the year by quite a bit. They were, I think for a five game stretch, they were leading the NFL in yards allowed and points allowed per game. I just, <laughs> Maybe I'm just rooting for the Chargers. Like, it could be I'm just rooting for the Chargers. Like, let's let's just, you know, let's put all our cards on the table. Part <laughs> of it is, like, I am rooting for the Chargers. I do think yeah. the team is better. I don't think the home field matters that much. I, But I'm on your side with, like, I get it. Herbert has not played in a big game at this magnitude. Lawrence sort of has. <sighs> So the Jaguars beat him 38 to 10 this year in week one in LA. Yeah, that doesn't matter though, right? No. Why not? Just different teams. That was a long time ago. I don't even zero in, into my analysis. Okay. It's but... like teams that beat the Bengals early in the year. Like you think that's the same team right now? The Steelers beat the Bengals in week one. You think the Steelers are better than the <laughs> Bengals? That would but factor the... into your it analysis. Wasn't... The only reason the Bengals, the only way the Bengals played bad was the turnovers. I'm pretty sure they outgained Pittsburgh by like 200 yards, and 
Joe Burrow no, just got a little loose with the ball. fucking numbers at me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't care. It was week three, by the way. Um, Wait, against yeah, the Chargers. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a letdown game coming off the, the Chiefs loss that they had that was – they should have won that game. Like, I think they were demoralized after losing a really hard-fought battle to the Chiefs, a game that I thought they should have won. Um. If not for that damn interception touchdown. Ugh, brutal. So, I don't know. A little bit of a letdown spot. You're playing the Jags at home, coming off that game against the Chiefs. Whatever. Again, I- I'm not putting too much stock in it. The Chargers played some of their best football at the end of the year. The Jags, you know, they had a good stretch, obviously. They weren't going to make the playoffs if they didn't have a good stretch. But, you know, I don't know that they did anything overly impressive oh. down the street. Their resume is so much better than the Chargers. Who have the Chargers beaten? They beat the Dolphins at home on primetime, which was a really good win at the time, and now it doesn't look so good, right? The no, Jaguars. That's a good win. That was, that was Dolphins at full strength. We're not going to compare it to the Skylar Thompson Dolphins. That's fair. Okay. But the, the, the Jaguars beat the Ravens at full strength. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Chargers. They beat the Titans twice. I mean, those are more impressive wins than than the Chargers' resume. And the reason why I brought up the Week 3 thing, it wasn't how Jacksonville beat them, which is extremely convincing. They beat the shit out of them that game. And I'm and I am to a degree willing to toss out those results because one of the things that you didn't mention was the fact that Justin Herbert fractured his ribs the week before against the Chiefs. They were also right. missing all pro um, center Corey Lindsley and Keenan Allen. Mike Williams Allen. didn't play. Keenan Allen no. did. Or Mike Williams played but yeah. was limited. Uh, Keenan Allen didn't play. But this goes I, back to Brandon Staley's decision making. That game was out of hand really early. And Justin Herbert attempted 45 passes with broken ribs. Right? This is like Brandon Staley is still learning on the job how to how to properly coach teams. He put his team in unnecessary risk last week by playing Mike Williams, and now Mike Williams might not even get out there this weekend. I actually think he plays. You you think, yeah. All right, so we're in agreement he he plays, but to me it's like, I don't know the right word, but it... Look, here's what I'm going to say. Everything says the Jags should win this game. Everything in my analytical brain says the Jags is the right side. I'm taking the Chargers. That's it. That's done and done. Because you're a Charger fan. Do you want to bet bucks. this? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Love it. Okay. You're not nervous that the Chargers, A, can't run, and B, can't stop the run. Just You don't even like running the ball, do you? No, it's stupid. Waste of a play. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I do have a player prop in this one. I'm going under. Austin Eckler, 51 and a half rushing yards. Again, Jacksonville, seventh and yards per rush allowed. Um, and excuse me, yes, seventh and yards per rush allowed. The Chargers are um, 30th in yards per rush at under four. They're at 3.8, which is kind of crazy. Um, Eckler's only went over this number, 51 and a half rushing yards in six of his 17 games this season. He had four carries for five yards against Jackson earlier this year. Again, different teams, granted. Also, I think the Jaguars are going to win, and if the Jaguars are ahead, Herbert is going to be chucking the ball, 
right? And in the Chargers' seven losses this season, Eckler has went over 51 and a half yards just once. And the Chargers have the second lowest rushing rate in the entire league. Like, they throw the ball 42 times. You know Herbert's dropping back at least 35 in this game. Unless unless they get a bigger elite, elite early. Either way, I I like Jacksonville's rushing defense well enough to uh, good enough. I think they're good enough to keep Eckler underneath this number. And I mean, he's like a, a dual threat running back, anyways, right? Like, so they might get Joshua Kelly some 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 reps or some rushes in here and use no, Austin Eckler no, more in the passing game. No, no. Um, my pushback here is actually pretty simple. Eckler literally said out loud, like five weeks ago expect to see less of me until the playoffs. Like they intentionally have been resting him and giving touches because this is the time Um, when he sees 90% of the snaps, which I think he will in this game. I'm I'm sorry, 80% of the snaps or more. He averages 57 yards rushing. So no, I don't like this play. We're going to talk a lot about curses, but what, when, what, in in what fucking world are the chargers running back? Like, well, just save me for the, for the playoffs. Get out of here. This dude ain't going to do shit this weekend. I'll, I'll put a side bet on this with you as well. Done and done. <laughs> yes. This is great. I'm not even going to have to bet with my bookie. All right. Do you, what, what else do you have in, <laughs> what, what else do you have in this, uh, in this game? The irony you? here. Yeah. The irony here is that I, I actually didn't make, um, the, either of those things are, are on my bet sheet. Um, and I have, a, I have one of your Jags on here and that's going to sound weird, but stick with me here. I've got backup running back Jamichael Hasty over ten and a half rushing yards. Um, I don't know if people have noticed, but Hasty's <laughs> quietly been stealing snaps from Travis Etienne. In fact, in a must-win game last week against the Titans, their snap share was almost equal. Etienne was on the field for fifty-five percent of the snaps. Hasty was in for forty-nine. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm trying to figure it out. Etienne's probably Etienne. Excuse me, he's probably like, "Well, save me for the playoffs." We're the Jaguars. Yeah, Right, except they had a playoff game last week, and he only played 50% of the snaps. So they've already shown their cards. Um, kind of different, but fine if you want to you know, lean on that. That's great. It's good analysis, boss. Um, <laughs> Hasty had three carries last week, but ETN only had seven. So you know, it's not like their numbers were massively different. And ETN's also quietly been losing efficiency as the season goes on, which is not surprising. It's his first full NFL season after missing all of last year. But in the first 10 games, ETN averaged five and a half yards per carry. In the last seven games, it was four and a half yards. Now that you're going, well, four and a half yards, that's still really good. Yes, but that's also buoyed by a massive blow up against the terrible Houston Texans who allowed ETN to run for 108 yards on just nine carries. If you take that game out, you're at 3.7 yards per carry in six non-Houston Texans games to end the year after starting at five and a half yards per carry. So that's a pretty significant drop-off. Um, it's not. This is not analysis that's like ETN sucks or he's not going to see the field or touch the ball. No, not what I'm saying at all. He's definitely good. He's definitely important. He's going to have to do some work in this game. But I think the Jags do need to keep him fresh, if, especially if they're going to make a run. He's already shown that he's not a workhorse type who can just take every snap. Um, they already limited his snaps in a pseudo playoff game last week. There's no reason they're not going to do that again. Like you said, the Chargers are the worst in the NFL at defending the run. They allow 5.4 yards per carry. 
If that holds, Hasty would need two carries to hit his over. Uh, I think he's definitely going to get between four and five carries, and to me, that's enough to get to 11 yards. And then one other quick one. Um, the Chargers have one of the highest rush percentage rates against. Teams run against them at 46%, and backup running backs average six carries for 25 yards versus the Chargers. So I think Hasty easily sees between three and five carries, and all I need is one of them to go for like eight yards, and we're good here. So I'm going to take Jamichael Hasty over 10 and a half rushing yards. I don't want to continue with Jamichael Hasty conversation any longer than it needs to go. So I say we go on to a game that really. Oh, I'm not really... done in this game. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead then. Let's... Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm also taking the under here. Um, and I'm just actually going to build a lot off of what I just said, which is I think Jacksonville is going to try to run the ball. Um, but I think the Chargers will too, which is why I'm happy to take the Eckler uh, side. Both teams have quarterbacks making their first postseason start. I think both have coaches who will try to put them in the best position to succeed. Quicker throws, screens, run plays, all things that are going to keep this clock moving. Um, Coaches also tend to get more conservative in the playoffs, too. Um, Both Doug Peterson and Brandon Staley are more on the risk-taking side. But I think that's a little mitigated now um, in the playoffs, and it's backed up by recent trends. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, nearly two-thirds of all wildcard games since 2015 have stayed under the total. Only once during that seven-year stretch did overbetters turn a profit on wildcard weekend. That was 2020 when the over went 4-2. and two. If you take that year out, the under is 19-7, and seven, 73%. Plus this, wildcard round unders the last two decades, 62.5%. And wildcard, this is a very, this is one of those specific stats. There's one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, only because I saw it when I was like 10, but Little Big League. Did you ever see that movie where the kid gets control of the twins and then he becomes their manager? That did, yeah. Yeah, it's a great movie, but there's a really funny part in there where they're trying to like come up with a good stat for this guy who's like clearly a washed veteran. And the guy's like, you know, he is leading the league in batting average in night games on the road when the start time is after seven. Like, just he just keeps piling things up until he hits a number that, anyway. So that's what we've got here wild card round unders for outdoor non-divisional games with a total set at 41 or above are 78% covering by five points per game. This is what I give you for, this is what I give for giving you my stat head login. Saw this on Twitter. It is interesting though, but like basically what the the point they were trying to make is the things that throw. So wildcard unders hit at a high rate. The thing that throw the couple of things. What was the rate again? Cause I have a, I have a trend for that as well. Uh, two over depends where you want to stop the wheel. Um, you could do sixty three percent over the last 10, 20 years. Um, if you want to go just since twenty fifteen, it's sixty five percent or so. I got seventy percent since two thousand twelve. Thirteen and thirty one over under in the wild card round. That's part of my yeah. Bills Dolphins analysis. Right. So, so the, the what this stat is saying is that the the things that throw off that number are dome games and divisional games and super low total games. This is none of those three. It's not a divisional game. It's not a dome game and it's not a low total. When you take those factors out, it goes to 78%, which is 22 and eight to the under in the last 20 years. So since 2002 or so. Um, So that's, that's why I I pointed out, I know it's like taking factors out, but it also makes sense. Like, yeah, there's going to be more points scored in a dome or the divisional opponents that know each other. Maybe they've got some stuff cooked up. They know they can beat them on this play or that play or whatever. Um, 
And then also just, you know, looking at recency for these two teams, like Jacksonville scored 13 points last week. Like the fumble return touchdown got them to 20, but their offense scored 13 points. And prior to that weird final game against the Broncos, which we're not going to talk about, uh, the Chargers defense actually was pretty good during uh, between weeks 14 and 17. Their opponents only averaged 11 points per game. Jacksonville has been a slight under team this season, nine and eight to the under. Los Angeles has actually been a big under team this year, 10, six and one to the under. Prior to the Denver game, L.A. hadn't seen a total go over since week 11, and that was against the Chiefs. The Jags have seen all three of their most recent games go under. I think everything's trending towards this being a, a pretty solidly under game. So I am on under 47 and a half points in the Chargers at Jaguars game. Um, I like that look because I feel like the Chargers offense is like kind of misleading in the sense that, I mean, they throw it a lot, but they're not very explosive. And like a lot of the, the offensive nerds that I follow on Twitter are kind of, um, I don't know, disappointed with Brandon Staley wishes that he had like, Justin Herbert throwing the ball deeper or trying more big time throws. I don't, I will say this about Staley. He has some rabbit ears and that does bother me because he was the analytics darling last like that mother ever went for fourth down and you were like, what? And this year, like that stopped. Like he definitely heard the noise and heard the criticism and he really tightened up his decision-making and I think that might also be true of, with what you're talking about, which is like tightening up a little bit, like becoming a little bit more conservative, which part of that was probably what you're talking about, right? He's learning on the job. Like he came out firing, like I've got a plan. And in real time, maybe it didn't work out the way it did in his head, which, you know, that happens. And so I, 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 I like where your head's at with that because I've definitely seen it with his decision making. I mean, it's natural. It's like how I don't want to, say something during the editorial call it's like i don't want to like he he probably <laughs> just doesn't want to go for it because like god i'm gonna have to answer so many stupid fucking questions at in the press yeah. conference like exactly i feel good about my defense or whatever let's just punt it <laughs> you know what i mean like, and their, de- their defense has been a little bit better in the later portion of the season which has helped him be a little bit more conservative so to speak and honestly this jaguar's offense because you know the the obvious counter to my point about the los angeles defense is they haven't played very good teams but this jags offense is not exactly a juggernaut no 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 no. i mean it's a second year quarterback and it's a new system but it's a second year quarterback with no like etn is their best play like christian kirk like are you afraid of zay jones marvin jones and christian kirk like not none of those guys are guys that you're worried about you're game planning around every other team on this slate has at least one player where you're like, damn, that dude scares the shit out of me. And the Jaguars don't have any of those guys. Yeah, as a Giants fan, I'll tell you what, I'm not afraid of Evan Ingram. No way would I be afraid of that guy. Oh, I didn't even list him because it's like, <laughs> it's, it's pointless. Literally, um, I, honestly, is there another team in the playoffs? Like every other team has at least one guy where the defensive coordinator has to go like, hey, we got to do something about that guy. Whether it's Seattle with DK Metcalf. I mean, we don't have to list the 49ers. They got like three of those dudes. Um you know, the Chargers, you got to account for Mike Williams. Like, like it or not, he's. I don't think he's like a superstar, but like, dude's six foot four and he makes contested yeah. catches. Like, you like you have to do something about that. Keenan Allen runs routes. Like, again, the Chargers probably are second on that list of having like not necessarily having that one guy that you have to game plan against. Maybe the Ravens, I guess, could be on that list, but like the Bills have Stephon Diggs. Like you've got no. to account for Stephon Diggs. Obviously, the Vikings have Justin Jefferson. 
The Giants have Saquon Barkley. Um, trying to figure out Jamar Chase, T. Hay. Like the Bengals have that guy. The Bucks maybe don't have that guy right now. Oh no, 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 no. That's that's just not fair. No, Mike, Mike Evans, Evans is a beast. I mean, Mike yeah, Evans is a beast. I don't think. Okay, we can argue about that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of time. We're fucking an hour through this, and we're only on game two. <laughs> you no. know, it's funny. We talked about this last week. Like, oh, next week's will be shorter because we're only talking about six games. Like, how long could that take? <laughs> <laughs> um, My yeah, shift I... ends at 6 p.m. Eastern, though, so we're definitely done at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not doing this pot if I'm not getting paid for it. Come on. Uh, well, 45 minutes around to really breeze through. No, my <laughs> my last thought is just on the on the, the Doug Peterson Staley thing is that we know that Doug Peterson's like got his protocol set up and he is confident in what he's going to do and that's pretty much why I'm betting the Jaguars here. So, um next game though, uh into the Sunday slate. Hopefully this is a shorter conversation. Buffalo Bills Miami Dolphins. Based on what we've seen out of the Bills, and based on the losses I've taken betting the Bills at big numbers, I just can't get there here. But if you wanted to lay the 13 with the Bills, which is the current number, I believe, it's you know, minus 13, over-under is 43.5. That makes sense to me because I don't see how Skylar Thompson doesn't get just destroyed in this game. Um, but I am looking to the under. I'm splitting a unit on the under for the game which is 43.5, and I'm going under the Miami Dolphins team total, which is 14.5. Um, when over the last, since the beginning of last year, the Bills, when they're favored by 10 or more, are giving up on average 11.2 points per game. They just beat the shit out of opposing teams, and I think their defense, I wrote this in my article uh, today, I think their defense is going to go nuts this this week. I want to know more from a because you're a big game theory guy what doesn't make sense to me is if you're why would you split these because if the Dolphins go over their team total like this total's going over so I don't I guess I don't understand splitting them like why not just pick one and stick with it because I I am afraid that the Bills rain hell and fire on, oh, okay. on the Dolphins okay. defense so you see a possible like forty to ten beatdown that yeah. goes over the total. Yeah. Then why not just bet the Dolphins total? Like in that case, I would say if your only hesitancy, then I would just bet the Dolphins. Because again, if the Dolphins total goes over, the game total is going over. Yeah. Then, what is it? Eighteen. You think that's at that fair. point you only need the Bills to score sixteen twenty six points, which oh. unless like I and just not seeing the part where you would want to split this and not just play the Miami side. If the especially if the only hesitancy is that the Bills could just boat race them so bad and and pull a Georgia and screw my under by hitting it by themselves even though my analysis was fucking perfect for that game which was that TC wasn't going to do shit. That was such a perfect bet to take the under. Sorry. I don't know. I think if that game plays out a couple of different ways TCU could keep it close. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were they were a bad call early away from really being in that thing. I want you to know Dan Dakich still hasn't talked to me since that. We, I, we're not I, we're not texting buddies anyway, so it's all good. Publicly said, I don't. I try to tell you. I tried to warn you. I did my best as your friend to warn you that yeah. that was just a horrible play. Yeah, I I mean, I blame um, the executive producer Aaron for it. He asked me Sunday morning. Um, held my feet to the fire and said, who do you pick? Who are you going to pick? And I picked TCU and then I had to ride out with it because the, the 
associate producers already did a uh, cry on for it. So, or a graphic for it. So I had to just ride out. No, I'm just kidding. I, whatever. We don't have to talk about that. Anyways. Um, uh, why are you splitting this? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, now it's because I wrote it and published it as a split, <laughs> but no, I think there is a chance between special teams or like shitty turnovers from Josh Allen, who's gotten a little loose of the ball this year, that maybe the Dolphins get to seventeen, and it's a what's the, what's the number? I thought it was seventeen and a half. Was it it's not fourteen and a half? Oh, it's fourteen and a half. Okay, so seventeen would be the most likely number, and then you would need the Bills to be at twenty six or less. Okay, but like God, that's just such a narrow window to put yourself in, like a very specific game script where the Bills win like twenty three seventeen. You're right, but they could win. Um, yeah, it could be like a thirty five seven, where it's a bit of a sweat. I don't know. Now that we're now that we're talking about it, I do feel a little bit differently about my bet. But I can just kind of give you my analysis. But that's on what it. I'm. But back to the thirty-five-seven. Like again, that's my point. So the Dolphins stay under. So you just hit your one unit on the Dolphins. Again, we're only talking about if the Dolphins were to go because the only benefit to splitting it would be if you miss one end, you can whatever with the other. But my argument would be if you miss that Dolphin side, you're almost certainly going to miss the under. Yeah. There's a very small window where the Dolphins go over because it's not like the Dolphins are going to win this game uh, 17 to 14, right? Like that's not even in the analysis. So what you're really talking about is Dolphins score 17 points and then the Bills score 19, 20, to, like all the way up to 26, which again, all I'm saying is that's just such a you're just you've just given yourself such a small window for that to come into play. It could happen, but I just don't understand you know, from a game theory perspective, why you would, why we'd put that window out there. It just doesn't make sense. Sorry. Uh, it's all right. I, I guess I'm not prepared for the cross analysis. <laughs> if There's, I'm being honest, my, my favorite like quote from the movie, Ted is when he's like, I was not prepared for a follow-up question. <laughs> That's um, you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in a pretzel here, but, um, I just, I, I have, I'm no- trying to talk you out of it. I mean, it's already on the goddamn website. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to Did do? Did you actually put money on it yet? No. Right. So there you go. Well, you know where the actual money's well, going. Yeah. Now I should. <laughs> it's going on that dolphin team total. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be stubborn and do, do exactly what I, I wrote. I hope you do. I hope you do. <laughs> I mean, look, they could easily both hit, right? Like, I mean, it's not like it's it's terrible in the sense that you know if Buffalo does win twenty eight to ten, yeah. like you hit both and fine, we're moving on. I've made a lot worse bets in my life. Let me tell you. All right, fair enough. Um, but Miami has in, in two concussion games, which I consider, I add in Green Bay and and Cincinnati. Right, he played the whole game in Green Bay, exited early in Cincinnati. They've scored twenty or more in two of those games. One of them was against the the Packers before Tua got concussed. Otherwise, they're averaging, um, I mean, even with that, they're averaging 17 points per game, and they have 13 turnovers in those six games. So, I mean, this offense is just going to get, I think they're going to get bullied. I think they're going to get dominated. Micah Hyde um, was activated off of the IR. He's an all-pro safety. He might play this week. Either way, Buffalo's defense is trending up, and, 
I think that crowd's going to be nuts. That defense is going to play with their hair on fire because, I mean, DeMar Hamlin was discharged from the hospital. He's probably going to be at the game. And I don't know. Maybe it has no effect, but I, I, I think, if anything, it helps It helps the Buffalo defense here. So Yeah, there are a few home field advantages like Buffalo, too. There's no doubt about that. That's one of the that has become one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. Do you, I have one more, well, three more bets, but it's really just Dawson Knox um, involved, the tight end of the Bills. Do you, what do you have in this game? I'm going Josh Allen under his rushing prop. It's set at 15 and a half. Um, it's more of a gut feel because the stats don't back me up, and I'm not afraid to admit that. And I'm going to explain why because Allen has gone over 50 yards rushing in five of his six career playoff games. But to me, the Bills have their eyes on a bigger prize. They're massive favorites in this game, nearly two touchdowns like we talked about, and I just don't think they're going to risk their franchise quarterback's health in any way, especially with a likely matchup next week against last season's AFC champion and a rematch against the Bengals, which you know we all know what comes along with that. Um, to me, that just means they're just going to design less runs for Allen. Like We could definitely lose this bet on him scrambling a few times and picking up big yards, but a lot of his rushing is based on they design runs for him. You know, quarterback power is a great play because you've got an extra blocker and Josh Allen can do it. I just don't think they're going to do as much of that in this game because they don't need to. Um, I think they're definitely going to get out to a big lead. I think that means more Devin, Devin Singletary. James Cook's been emerging of late. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those two than we will of Allen. Um, and consider this. I, I found this when I was doing my research. Allen runs more when the game is in doubt. In contests that Buffalo won by double digits this season, he rushed for over 50 yards once in seven games. In matches where they either lost or won by eight points or fewer, so one score, he got over 50 yards in half of them. He averaged 52.8 yards per game in close games, and in blowouts where the Bills won, that number was 33.4 yards per game. I expect this to be a blowout in the Bills' favor, which leans me towards that latter number, so I think Allen stays under his rushing total. All right. Um, I'm on, and I'm actually going to bring that up, his playoff rushing totals and performance when we talk about the like the Giants-Vikings. Um, but I'm betting Dawson Knox receiving props. I'm going to bet him over 31.5 receiving yards. That could actually be up to like 33.5 right now. Oh, shit. Um, I'll check it while you keep going. I'm also going to bet over his receptions, which is three and a half at plus 105. And I'm going to bet in any time Dawson Knox touchdown plus 195. So I've split a unit like three ways on this bet. But Miami allows the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. They're 25th in receiving yards allowed um, and allow the fourth most receptions and tight end, uh, tight touchdowns to tight ends. Excuse me. Um they have the third biggest tight end matchup mismatch of the weekend, um, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, Gerald, uh, Dawson Knox is slightly behind Gerald Everett and George Kittle, except like he has, along with Everett and Kittle, like massive edges over over the Miami secondary or the the players that are going to guard him for the Dolphins. In fact, all of Knox's possible matchups against the Dolphins. Um, or on the Dolphins have at least a hundred percent, or excuse me, a hundred quarterback rating um, in coverage. He's 
went for 98 receiving yards versus Miami in week 15. He was the second most targeted pass catcher for Buffalo in that game. He's went over 31 and a half receiving yards in eight of his 15 games. He's got a touchdown in four straight games and four, um, four and six catches in his two games this year against the dolphins. So I'm going to go over Dawson Knox and, uh, one of my homies is a the Buffalo Bills fan, kind of greenlit that he, he sees or thumbs up that he, he sees Dawson Knox having a decent game as well. So that's what I'm on here for a player prop. Moving no along. On that. Giants of Vikings. My, every year for Christmas, um, it stopped recently, but every year for Christmas I used to ask for a New York Giants Super Bowl. Like, I don't like asking for Christmas gifts. So whenever my mom asks, I would just be like, hey, New York Giants Super Bowl. I stopped asking a few years ago once we became cursed. But Giants are back, baby. And they are only three-point underdogs visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I'm going to sprinkle on the money line plus 145. This is the one time where I don't mind even publicly giving out the Giants because... I'm Perfect. a fan. That makes me so much more confident in my pick. Because I'm a fan, and the Giants losing really isn't going to hurt much more than the money. Isn't going to hurt, or will hurt more than losing the money. So, I think I might bet an alternate spread as well. I think the Giants hammer the Vikings. I think, I think like we're an alt get... spread where it's like Giants minus three at some crazy odds, or minus five and a half at crazy uh, odds. Is that what you're talking about? A minus three and a half at plus one ninety nine specifically is what I'm looking at. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think the Vikings are going to get destroyed in this game. Yeah, the problem here is it goes against all of your previous analysis about first time postseason quarterbacks. Like Daniel Jones, a first time postseason quarterback going against Kirk Cousins, who. Has made three playoff starts. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins is as beta as it gets, and this guy is but dying to choke. But he's not been bad in the playoffs. He hasn't been. Like it's just uh, people have this assumption that he has been. He, he hasn't. What's, what's the furthest he's made in the playoffs? Yeah, well, all, all the furthest, all he has to do to make it far as far in the playoffs he's ever been is win this game. So it's like it's, this isn't a conference championship game. We're talking about a fucking wild card game against a shitty Giants team. There's more money on the Giants, more tickets are on the Vikings. I'm assuming you think it's a fake sharp bet, right? Obviously. Probably is, but the Giants significantly outplayed Minnesota. I also like that, honestly, I like that as a Giants fan, you're on board. That makes me go like, oh, perfect time to fade them. Perfect time to fade them. Because <laughs> I've been on the Giants all season, and you have not backed me, even though we've had a conversations, and you were like, eh, I can't do it. The fact that you finally like, I'm doing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, great time to flip. Because you know how I feel about Kirk Cousins and how, and how wacky he is. So I do. I, 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 I love I, fading him. Again, I, I totally get that, but the – well, anyway, so Let's I'm Let's start arguing. The, Let me give you one. Yeah. Daniel Jones, we have an edge at quarterback than the New York Giants do. <laughs> Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Kirk oh Cousins. Oh, my God. He's better by the, completion percentage just, okay, over we're, expectation we're blended with EPA, which is from your buddy Ben Baldwin. You love Ben oh, Baldwin. He oh, has a better tired. QBR. He has a better deep ball. By big throw percentage, you'll read about all of this in Pro Football Focus now that you have a subscription. Better deep ball by turnover-worthy percentage and by adjusted completion percentage. Cousins, okay, now do it. How does he do in the playoffs? What, what's his? Uh, what are his playoff stats? What has Kirk Cousins ever done in the playoffs? He, what are, can you get? Can you give me Daniel Jones' playoff stats? It'll be easy. They 
you know them. You know them. They don't. They, <laughs> they don't he does exist. not have a playoff stats. They don't exist. Um, but I think the Giants. My boy Kirk is going to get his due this year. He's going to win this game. I don't think there's any question about it. I, I like it's finally going to happen. The Giants do not have a guy like Justin Jefferson. You, they just don't. Giants versus Kirk Cousins is going to look a lot like Demar Hamlin, but with le- with a lot more blood. This is going to be a goddamn massacre, Dan. And the Giants' defense actually matches up really well at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins is first in completion percentage versus zone, 18th versus man. Wink Martindale just blitzes and only plays man. When he's blitzed, Kirk Cousins is 28th in passing grade according to PFF, 24th in turnover-worthy passes, 34th out of 37 quarterbacks in adjusted completion percentage. He's 28th in pressures turned into sacks. He gets nervous, looks down, and eats a sack. Um, The Giants outgained the Vikings 6.7 yards per play to 5. Daniel Jones had a higher on-target percentage. He... Kirk Cousins was pressured on 30% of his dropbacks. The Giants had three. Sorry, I tuned out for a minute there. (laughs) The the Giants had three wide receiver drops in that first game against the Vikings. The the Vikings won because the Giants puked all over themselves. But you give Brian Dable uh, effectively a bye week, he's going to be ready. And I think the Giants especially with the defense being healthier. They didn't have two starting secondary last game and Minnesota being down possibly two starting offensive linemen. I think the Giants defense is going to show up in this, in this game. Right. Why do you like the Vikings other than some weird Daniel thing with Kirk Cousins? Shit his fucking pants. He's going to shit his pants. He's never played in a real Big time football game. Even this year, the Giants haven't had like they raced out to a good start. They've basically been guaranteed a playoff spot for weeks. They didn't play last week. They haven't played any big games this season. He went to Duke for college. And I don't have to tell you about how Duke doesn't play in big football games. Like I really don't. I mean, like the Giants weren't even good down the stretch. They were two and four and one in their mean? final seven. Aaron Rodgers um, played a cow. Whatever. Yeah, but he's amassed. Since, like, uh, what's that argument? Supposed? The point is, as actually the best, I think the, the, the best college quarterbacks to pick from are these these major conference mid-tier football programs like Kirk Cousins Fine, with Michigan State. But they lose in the, their first playoff game, and they don't play well. Like, that's an argument you make. I don't, like, you're arguing against yourself at this point. Right, but I think we don't need Aaron Daniel Rogers Jones lost his to be. first career playoff game, by the way. I don't think da- that is a good stat. I don't think Daniel Jones <laughs> needs to do much in this game. Like well, I think the Giants not. are going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively against the Vikings' rush Fine. defense, which is terrible. He's going to make mistakes, and then also it leads into one of my prop bets here, which is I've got Justin Jefferson over 91.5 yards. Um, I think the Vikings are going to win, obviously, and that means J.J. is going to eat. He already torched the Giants this year for 12-133 and a tutty in their first meeting. I think another 100-yard game is a lock. The Giants don't have anyone who can cover him. Their best-graded cover corner is Adoree Jackson. He ranks outside the top 35 in coverage grade. Their secondary as a whole ranks 31st, which according to uh, one of my new guys, Sal Vitri on Twitter, um, against bottom 10 secondaries, Justin Jefferson averages 125 receiving yards. 
Salvatore owes me money still. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, the Giants might roll some coverage to stop Jefferson, but they tried to do that in the first meeting, and it opened up the seam for TJ Hawkinson, who went for 13, 109, and 2. Um, I think both can eat. I think this is a very weak passing defense. I think this is a perfect spot for my my guy Kirk, which is weak passing defense. He's got two monsters that they can't stop. I don't think he's going to make any mistakes. He's not going to need to. Fucking throw the ball to JJ, throw it to TJ. We're good to go. Lock them both up. JJ over his prop, Vikings minus three. Put it on the books. Can you hear me? Yeah, of course I can hear you. All right. Well, my Zoom is getting giving me disclaimers that you might not be able to hear me. Okay. I have nothing bad to say about Justin Jefferson. He was my highest. Comp- oh, I don't hear you now. God damn it. He was my highest comp. Um, can you hear me better? Can you hear me now? Yes. Sorry about that, everyone. I don't know what's going on with my Zoom. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Justin Jefferson. I loved him coming out of college. He's a stud and probably could have a decent game. I will say 32 of Cousins' 40-some-odd passing targets went to either. There was split 16 each on Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson. Now, the Giants were missing, again, two starting DBs. One is Adore Jackson, who's as I am a Giants fan, but objectively he is he is a really good cornerback. He he's gonna lose some battles against Justin Jefferson. You just hope that Justin Jefferson doesn't go ballistic. He might end uh, end up balling out. He probably will. T.J. Hawkinson is gonna come back down to earth. I think uh, uh, Xavier McKinney being there allows Julian Love to guard him, and Julian Love is actually really good in coverage. So outside of TJ Hawkinson. I'm not really afraid of anyone in the Vikings offense, which brings me to my first player prop. I'm going under 37 and a half receiving yards for Adam Thielen. Like I said, Dink, Dink, Wink Martindale likes to blitz. So he's going to make Kirk Cousins make decisions fast. And he's probably going to make those quick decisions to either TJ Hawkinson again or Justin Jefferson. Um, Thielen had. That seems like odd analysis to me. If your theory is that he's going to have to throw the ball quick, like Adam Thielen's the ultimate wide receiver security blanket, and they've been together a long time. He doesn't get open fast enough. Not anymore. <laughs> well, there you go. That's better. Do you disagree? No, I just think that that's a better way to go than... Well, I'm saying they're going to blitz. He's got to get rid of the ball fast. Adam Thielen takes a little time to get open. I guess I didn't get there as fast as I should have, but like that's kind of what I mean. Just like Adam Thielen. Right. <laughs> Same thing. Boom. My analysis is as slow <laughs> as Adam Thielen's route running. Um, his under for receiving, uh, for receptions, it, it, he's got a three, three and a half, excuse me, 3.5 receptions. The under is minus 155. So he's a heavy favorite to go under, right? Three receptions, he's averaging 10.2 yards per target. So three receptions is what? At that clip, roughly 31 yards, which would keep him under 37 and a half. Again, he had five targets in the first game against the Giants, but one catch, six yards. Um, he's when, He's got 30 receiving yards in total over the last three games. Also, he's got a Thielen's matchup against the Giants slot cornerback, I think, is got a 42.8 PFF grade out of 100. So it's a below average. So PFF is saying Adam Thielen's not going to have a big day. And I'll, I'll go along those lines because I think it fits with my analysis. I got there a little clunky, but I think I think you kind of see what I'm – you're picking up what I'm putting down now, right? Gotcha. 
All right, I'm liking Daniel Jones over 40 and a half uh, rushing yards. I can give you that in one second, but what do you have? Do you have anything else in this game? No, that's it. I'm done. You're just stacking. You're putting so many eggs in the Giants winning basket, and I just fucking love it. Josh Allen. I'm going to be texting the shit out of you during that game, by the way. You said Josh Allen went over over 50 rushing yards in what, five of his six playoff games, right? Well... Josh Allen has always had a pretty decent wide re- de- decent wide receivers third. At least he had Stefan Diggs. The oh, are you going to tell me how many times Daniel Jones has gone over his rushing prop in his playoff games? No. No, what I'm saying right, though, he hasn't. is he hasn't played any. Brian Dable is going to have Josh uh, da- uh, Daniel Jones no, run the ball I more. I had to make the joke. I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, that's actually really, really smart analysis by you picking up what I was putting down earlier, but I had to make the joke about Daniel Jones in the playoffs because he hasn't been there. I don't you know if I mentioned that. You just, but he hasn't just, been there. He hasn't played in a playoff game. had to. Um, you know, Tom Brady never played in a playoff game either before he won a Super Bowl. Okay, so we're going to pick the greatest. So that's Daniel. Okay, all right. Now, How about now Patrick you set Mahomes? the bar at, at Daniel How about Jones. Nick Foles? Actually, Nick Foles played uh, in a playoff game for the Eagles. Um no, this is great analysis, and you're right. Like my analysis on Allen, at least this week, was that they're not going to design runs for him. Uh, the Giants have no reason not to throw everything they can at this game. What are we going to throw to Isaiah Hodgins or whatever that? And I don't Dable even know who has names. shown. Yeah, Dable has shown that he will run his quarterback in the playoffs. Clearly. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was kind of a must-win the Indianapolis Colts game, like. The Giants wanted to win so they could sit everyone in week 18, right? So Daniel Jones ran it nine times for 100 yards. And um, Josh Allen had eight, has averages eight and a half yards, or excuse me, eight and a half carries per playoff game in a day ball offense. So um, Daniel Jones averages roughly six yards per carry. If that, if he carries it eight and a half times, it's going to be 50 yards. And I think given the Giants' weak pass catchers and uh, or pass uh, receiving options. Daniel Jones is going to need to run the ball, and, and Brian Dable is going to have him run the ball more. Even if the Giants get waxed in this game, I still think Brian uh, Brian Dable is going to have Daniel Jones run the ball a lot. So those are my two player props. Ravens Bengals, you ready? Yeah, we got to go quick. My wife has dinner waiting, and I'm starving. All right. Well, what do you like in the game? If I only have one look here. Um, yeah, it sucks that this game is Sunday Night Football. I, I actually, like, I'm a, I'm a Bengals fan because of my dad. He's a big, big Bengals fan. Uh, he's been so. So I root for them because uh, I want to see him do well. But I did want to see this be a good game, and I did want to see Lamar Jackson play. And the fact that he's probably not kind of makes this shitty because I think the Bengals are going to walk. I think um, I actually tweeted this out. Like, you know, we had all this discussion about that first-round bye and the Bills Bengals not having a fair shot at it, but they kind of both ended up with first round buys anyway. Um, so I'm going just Jamar Chase over six and a half catches uh, in his career against the Ravens, which is four games. Chase has never refuted, never recorded fewer than seven catches. He averages seven and a half catches on eleven targets against uh, Baltimore. So when Joe Burrow faces Baltimore, he looks to Jamar Chase. There is some trepidation here because the Bengals are big favorites in a game they're expected to win. But keep in mind, Cincinnati is a gas pedal team. In fact, last season, Baltimore got pissed with Cincinnati for running up the score against them. And my dad posited that the reason Bart Scott blamed T. Higgins is because he still hates the Bengals because he's 
sort of a Ravens guy and got mad that they ran up the score on the Ravens. So thought that was an interesting take. And I went back and looked, and it's true. The Bengals, they ran up the score, and the Ravens did not like it. But that's what they do. I mean, they they keep going. I think the Bengals are using this as a tune-up. I think they want Burrow, Chase, Higgins, and everyone on the same page before their likely showdown with the Bills. I think that means Burrow to Chase often. Um, additionally, the Ravens' best cover corner is Marlon Humphrey, and he ranks just 21st in the NFL in coverage grade, according to PFF. I think it's going to take more than a guy outside the top 20 to keep Chase from hauling in seven catches, which is all we need to hit this number. Dude, I'm taking the points of the Ravens. Look, I don't – I mean, I might wait if I were you to see if I can get a better number, but I don't I don't necessarily think this game is going to be a huge blowout, but, I mean, I think the Bengals will be in control of it. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, we can see a team cover nine and a half and not really ever have a shot to win the game, which is possible. Well, Baltimore has – That's better for me, honestly, because that means more chase. That's true, yeah. Um, I do think Baltimore's defense is built to stop Cincinnati. Whether or not they can do it, we'll we'll see. But they, they don't <laughs> ever. What do you mean? Didn't they play pretty good against them recently? With uh, what they, they had one good game this season, yes. But that was again that was that that was that pre Bengals becoming the Bengals. That was when their offensive line was an absolute disaster of a mess early in the season before they like got used to playing with each other. Everything changed right about week. Eight, I believe, and that was pre that. Oh wait, so they went to the Super Bowl last year, and then everything changed, and now they're good again. Is that what you're saying? No, they did the same thing last year. They were like a mediocre team for most of the season, and then they they got hot at the end of the year. It's exactly what they did this year. It's the same formula. Well, they scored 27 points last week, but one was a defensive touchdown. In fact, they're yeah, but the game didn't matter, and they were that was that was one of those games where it's like. The Ravens lost by, what, 11? But it felt like a lot more. Like, they were never in that game. Right. You're saying it didn't matter, but uh, Joe Burrow played every snap and threw it 42 times. How does that not matter at all? Like, they, they obviously wanted to win the game, right? They were doing the the coin flip celebration, and it was important for them to win that game and finish on a winning note. They scored... Um, Again, they scored 27 points. They weren't able to run the ball when put away the game. They had 20 carries for 55 yards. Baltimore has an epic edge in special teams. Um, and like I said, like, oh, yeah, they outgained. Baltimore outgained Cincinnati last last week 5.1 to 4.0 yards per play. That's a healthy, healthy advantage. They had five more first downs. They lost a turnover battle four to one because Anthony Brown had third three turnovers. So I also Mark Andrews took last week off. JK Dobbins took last week off. And both of them uh I think are gonna have big games. Andrews balled out versus Cincinnati um in his last two games, he's caught 16 balls against Cincinnati, 16 balls, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. Pretty much split evenly over the two games. He played well in Week 17 against Pittsburgh. Um, and I do think Cincinnati's defense, again, is built to stop – or Baltimore's defense is built to stop Cincinnati. They only had four yards per play last week, and I think last week mattered. Their defensive EPA – has been fifth in the league since week nine when they got Roquan Smith. They have five elite defensive backs. They're third in yards per rush allowed. 
and um, they they win the trenches, according to PFF. And Cincinnati could be without two starting offensive linemen and Kappa and and Lyle Collins. So you're giving me a team that's better in the better in the trenches. All the money, all the action is on is on Cincinnati. So this is an obvious fade spot. Um, I like I like Baltimore here to keep it close, at least keep it within single digits. I think if I'm reading this correctly, Lamar just ruled himself out. <laughs> All right, I take everything I said back. <laughs> no, sorry. Like literally, as I was reading this, I saw someone was like, "Lamar Jackson says he's still hopeful to play," and I'm like, "That's not how I read this. I read this as him saying he's still hopeful they can win without him." But anyway. Lamar Jackson tweeted just eight minutes ago, breaking news here on the Outkick Bets podcast. Thank you to everyone for your support and concerns regarding my injury. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I suffered a PCL grade two sprain on the borderline of a grade three. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatment on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give a 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful that we have a chance. I read that as him saying, like, he can't play, but he's hopeful they can still win. I don't read that as him. If you started by saying, I can't give 100% of myself to my and my guys. like <laughs> I hear that as he's not playing as well. But maybe tomorrow I'll be able to. Like, I, if his knee is still unstable. It's Thursday. <laughs> like, we're running out of time for that knee to stabilize. I just need Tyler Huntley to play. Really, if if, if Anthony that's, Brown is in there, big. I'm in yeah. I'm in I'm in big trouble here. Granted, I think so too. And I think, see, I don't know. I mean, are you are you taking that nine right now, thinking that Huntley's going to play? He did throw again today, so it looks like he's trending towards playing. I'm taking nine and a half regardless because I like Baltimore's defense. I have the whole Fair year. Enough. I think they're trending in the right direction. And I always thought they'd be playing their best football come the playoffs and. Getting Roquan Smith was huge. Also, in these games, these AFC North games, which usually go under, Justin Tucker, I think, makes more of a difference in a, in a, in a usually low-scoring game. I like Cincinnati. I like their defense. There's a lot of things I like about the team, but I do think the Baltimore has enough talent on offense where if they don't turn the ball over, they can at least play keep away and 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 be within single digits. Which kind of brings me to my next player, or my my only player prop in this game. I'm going over J.K. Dobbins, 61 and a half rushing yards, put like a third of a unit on there. Um, he rested in Week 18 versus Cincinnati. He's averaging 5.7 yards per rush. He's fifth in rushing yards over expectation per attempt, according to NFL's Next Gen stats. Cincinnati has the third worst run stop win rate, according to ESPN. Um, the uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins had 5.5 yards per rush versus Cincinnati in Week Five. He did stay under the number though. He only had eight carries, 44 yards, and he has 397 yards over his last four games. He's played really well uh, down the stretch here. And I like J.K. Dobbins. I liked him coming out of college. I thought he would have more of a role or or been playing a little bit better, better career thus thus far, but. He was injured for all of last year, so it looks good now, though. I want to wrap this thing up with uh, the Monday Night Football game? No, I want to eat. I don't have anything on this game, so... Oh, come on. We have to talk about it, man. Come on. Hurry up. 
What do you mean? What do you what do you like in this game? Nothing. I don't care. You don't care about it at all. You're not gonna watch. You're talking all that shit about how you watch more football than most humans, and now I want to eat. Like, all I smell is meatloaf. Now it's you know time. What that's like to be sitting in a room, starving, smelling meatloaf, and having to talk about an NFL game. All right, you're gonna complain to a bunch of Republicans about you having to do your job. I don't think that's gonna go over well with the outkick bets crowd. I'm only doing my like again. I told you you have till six Eastern. That is when I seven minutes. Off the clock. Give me seven minutes of analysis. I'm probably on the Bucks, but it does like I don't really have much on it. I will say this. I don't know if you caught this. I'm assuming you did. Jason Garrett actually gave some pretty decent analysis on Sunday Night Football last week, where he said. That it's good that I'm not coaching this game. The Cowboys, he didn't say that, but that was baked into Should the have. analysis. He <laughs> said that the Cowboys' defense is a lot slower and worse on grass. Now, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've listened to the same amount of betting podcasts that I do, but a lot of these sports betting podcasts are starting to say that stuff and starting to apply trends to it and whatnot. Um, I've been saying, if you notice, I've mentioned that several times this year. I haven't. I have mentioned several times this year that there is a difference for a lot of teams and the way games are played on turf versus played on grass. How do you feel? Some teams are built for turf. They just are. I I don't remember you saying this specifically, but I remember saying that I think Dallas's defense is better on turf. Like that's something that I that I've I felt, and then Jason Garrett kind of. Well, first of all, let's put but let's put this out there. Everyone's faster on turf. It's easier to run on turf. It's just like, you know, the difference between running on grass and running on sand. Like turf is concrete. It's harder, so thus it's you're going to be faster on it. Grass has a little give to it, so you're not going to be as fast. Okay, I guess what I meant to say is the Cowboys' defense plays better on turf. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Like, what I'm saying is to just be like, oh, they're faster on turf than they are on grass. Like, well, yeah, no shit, no duh. Like, that's the sort of the way it works. Now, I, I'm assuming his point was more so that it it's more of a disadvantage to them than it is to the opposing offense. And that's that's good analysis. I just think it's funny when people say, like, obvious statements. You, you like, oh, this dude that's runs a obviously lot. what I'm saying here. I this, just you're just I'm talking about apart Garrett. I'm not. No, I'm no, not no, 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 you. You, then, Garrett said it. I'm talking I, about Garrett's comments, like being like, "Hey, I run faster uh, on land than I do when I'm in the ocean." Like, yeah. Oh, okay. wow, that's wild. Did you hear him say that, or because I, I might have paraphrased it? Off. I might have pra- paraphrased it wrong. He he's saying what you're saying. Effectively, their defense plays better on turf, and a lot of other betting trends have been um, published backing that. And again, different teams, you know, but the, the Buccaneers crushed the Cowboys in week one. They played this year. It's in covers. The Eagles. Eagles played on, it was, they lost to the Eagles, gave up 26 points. I'm pretty sure the Eagles play on grass. You got, you got to click into the actual stadium on pro football reference to find that out because there are a few. Oh, I know. Outdoor... No, trust me. I have gone into this, yeah. like the Bengals, I believe, play on turf despite being outside. That one surprised me. So the Dallas Cowboys are 0-4-1 against the, the, the closing number on, uh, on, on grass. This the, season, right? This season. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Philly, Green Bay, Jacksonville, Washington, 
I'm trying to find the other one because that's where the counter yep. to this, though, dude. Dude, Tampa Bay is a one twelve and one on grass against the number, but oh, they're bad on grass. I mean, they're just bad against the number in general. Their well, they're, season they're has been embarrassing. Bad. They're four twelve and one. They're three and zero on turf, and then one twelve and one on grass. They're four twelve and one against the number for the year, but like three of their wins are on turf. Interesting. Yeah, no, Tom. That's always been a thing. Tom Brady actually balls out in domes and on turf. I mean, well, he balls out everywhere, right? But I do think there's something to Dallas trending down. If I'm being honest, and I I feel very similar to about Dak Prescott as I do Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, I actually feel Tampa's not. It's not like Tampa's trending up here at all. No, that's 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 true. That's that's a fair that's a fair point. No, I do like what. I, I mean, do like, what, do you, what do you consider trending up? They're sneaking by Carolina to win the division in week 17. Like that was, that's a game you, I, I don't know. I was surprised that they had their hands full with Sam Darnold in a must win, like to win the division game. And then of course, last week they played a half against Atlanta. So you can't really glean much from that. I don't know. I mean, it's a battle of two teams from... heading in the wrong direction. No, listen, I'm on. I told you I'm probably going to be on Tampa. I don't like what Dallas has done. They should have lost to Gardner Minshew uh, a couple weeks ago. They pulled it out. They lost to Jack. Although they, I don't know. Uh, Dallas is such a weird fucking team, man. They really are. They're a weird team. They're hard to handicap and hard to analyze. I think, I don't know if you subconsciously did this. Are you just completely getting rid of the week 18 game? Because they got crushed 26 to 6 and they played all their starters. I know it's just it's it I I do factor in sort of the mental part of it where you go like oh burrow through 40 times like yeah for me like that game really didn't mean much to Dallas you could say it did but it's like they needed to win and they needed the Eagles to lose to the Giants who were literally made their starting quarterback inactive like it it would be hard for a professional athlete to be fully invest like when you know you have a playoff game coming especially cuz you go like well these guys are playing for contracts like yeah well playoff performance is where you make your money so if you know you're going to the playoffs i don't know i mean i'm not fully discounting it but i'm also not grading it as like as putting as much on it as i'm not calling it like a game where i thought that their heads were 100% in it cuz again they just needed so much to go right that probably wasn't going to go right. And the Eagles led that game the entire time. And these guys are humans. They sat on the sideline. They looked at the scoreboard. They saw that the Eagles were up to, and it's like, of course the Eagles are going to beat the Giants. We knew that going in. They beat them. The It's not like the Giants, you know, blew a late lead where it's like Dallas stopped the whole game. Like, oh, dude, they, they might do this. Like, no, no, no. They knew going in that the game meant nothing. And I'm sorry, not going in, but you know what I mean? Like throughout the day, they kind of understood that this wasn't a game that they, business decisions were made is what I'm saying. They lost by 20 to Sam Howell. How do I feel about the Chargers, too? Like, you go, well, the Chargers played their starters and lost to the Broncos. It's like, yeah, but even, like, they kind of know. Like, this game doesn't matter, dude. Like, it just doesn't. Dude, the guy, Justin Herbert, threw it 40 times. When did, he, he just wasn't trying. He just, didn't care. He didn't care. Not that he... It, it, I think it fits your narrative, and that's why you're saying it in the Chargers, in the Chargers scenario. Like, they played... They they played their starters, it, which is dumb, and they they tried when they were out there. Okay. What's up? 
I didn't mean to cut you off. Don't no, be mad. I, don't be mad. I'm not cut. No, I like. I, I don't know what else to say. We just disagree with. We, we disagree on this. Like we're, we can keep saying the same thing over and over again. Fair but enough. It's, like, it's just disagreement. It's fine. Let me give you guys a trend. But let but, me. Well, I do want to say real quick though. Like I'm not. No, I'm not suggesting that they just don't try at all. Obviously, you're trying. I just think the mental part of the game is a big deal, especially in football. And if you're 90% invested as opposed to 100%, I think that affects performance. And all I'm saying is, like, these guys, it's not about, like, if you ask them and you, like, did you try your hardest? They would say, yes, I tried my hardest. But what does that mean? Because sometimes I try my hardest, but all I really had to give that day was 80%. So that's what I gave. That was my hardest that day. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry. I'm no, it's all good. This, I mean, this is more of a philosophical conversation. The Cowboys are one, three, and one against the number over the last five weeks. They crushed Indianapolis um, six weeks ago, but that game was a two point game at halftime, and Indianapolis was tanking. Um, also, this is a trend that I heard on pregame.com's podcast, and I knew it from last year, but it's very interesting. I probably should have started with it off the top. But in the wild card round, teams with the stronger strength of schedule cover at an absurd rate. Now, teams with at least that are at least 10 spots ahead of their opponent in strength of schedule are in the wild card round. 39 and 1 against the number. So, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, according to Football Outsiders, played the ninth toughest strength of schedule, and the Dallas Cowboys played the 27th toughest strength of schedule. Now, obviously the the Buccaneers did not perform up to expectations, but given the strength of schedule, and I don't really know why it's just in the wild card round, but given the strength of schedule trend and just how like not convinced I am personally in Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy in a playoff spot, I'm going to take the points at, uh, at home with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know I'm going to be on that side, and I'm going to have to uh, spin it better uh, when I write it up, but I'm definitely taking the points to the Buccaneers. I don't have any player props in this game, though. I know you don't either. All right. Well, we gave you guys a lot of conversation. I mean, um, Jesus, a lot we're of bets. Forty-five here. into this, and I'm just all I can think about is meatloaf at this point. Dude, meatloaf's not even good. It's an overrated. Oh my! Okay, dinner. I gotta go. I cannot deal with this. All right. Well, hey. follow me on Twitter, Outkick Danzy. Check out my articles on Outkick. I've been turning out a lot of great content. Um, I got full previews of the AFC and NFC. And you should check that out. I did a mock draft, my first ever mock draft. Uh, go check that out. Um, yeah, man. Good stuff. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for uh, stopping on Dan or stopping by Dan Z. Best of luck to you guys, whether you fade or follow us. Hopefully, we provided some analysis that'll help you be a little sharper and informed for the NFL Wild Card Weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you next week for well, I'll talk to you tomorrow for an NFL preview, but or an NBA betting preview, but. Next week with the division around. Peace.